the place for talk on the internet. This is TalkZone.com. TalkZone.com. It's time for Healthy Talk Radio. By the powers vested in me, by the Federal Communications Commission. Coming to you live from the headquarters of the Global Health Network and across the world wide web. (gasps) Computers can do that? It's America's longest running radio program dedicated to your health and wellness. What's taking place here is an alternative approach. Now, the woman who's changing the face of health care each and every day. That's the fact, Jack! Here's Deborah Ray. Good day. Welcome to Healthy Talk Radio. I'm Deborah Ray. Well, the real thing has made it to China. Coca-Cola has off, has opened in Beijing at the uh, Chinese Academy of Chinese Medical Sciences, a center to develop soft drinks that contribute to well-being, including Chinese herbs in the Coca-Cola of the future. Well, it's a regular feature that we are debuting each and every week during this time, women's health. And we are joined today by a noted integrative healthcare practitioner. In fact, uh, he's written textbooks in anti-aging medicine as well as compounding pharmacy. He's Dr. Mitchell Ginn. We'll talk about optimal aging for women. Your questions about women's health at 1-800-307-3002 right here on Healthy Talk Radio. Now, the news and views about the news you won't hear anywhere else. The Healthy Talk Radio News Digest. Our mission is to get to the healthcare news and views from credible sources that you won't hear anywhere else. Uh, Reporting today at Albert Einstein College of Medicine. In fact, it's published in the Journal of Clinical Oncology that for women with breast cancer, yoga makes a difference. What they found is that yoga can improve both the quality of life in the healthy as well as chronically ill people, and they randomly assigned breast cancer patients to a 12-week yoga intervention three times a week uh, or a wait list control group. They could do the exercises at, uh, at home or with the help of an audio tape, uh, they had been developed by breast cancer patients um, uh, in the style of Hatha Yoga. And what they found is that why people often feel fatigued and sick undergoing uh, chemotherapy, there was a decided difference. In fact, uh, the women say they enjoyed the classes. It made a difference in their quality of life, yoga giving women with breast cancer a boost. And, of course, it builds on some of the previous studies showing that yoga for breast cancer can actually help alleviate some of the uh, generalized fatigue that some of the, the therapy as well the disease can evoke. Well, she describes herself as a vigilant label reader. In today's Detroit Free Press, um, uh, a local consumer there talking about um, her favorite lotions and sunscreens when she read the ingredients all containing parabens, which are synthetic chemicals used as preservatives. But now she is seeing uh, some of the mainstream products, including uh, Burt's Bees that we're finding in Hallmark stores and borders, claim to be paraben-free. So what exactly are parabens, and are they dangerous? Ethyl, methyl, propyl, and benzyl parabens 
have long been considered to be a cheap uh, and indispensable way to inhibit the growth of bacteria, but studies have shown that parabens mimic the activity of our body's estrogen, and of course that can be associated with the hormonal imbalances and feasibly even uh, breast cancer. They are now showing that they can actually measure parabens in human urine. So there are many more companies opting to go paraben-free. So if you're concerned, read the labels. Well, we've talked about it being a risk factor for breast cancer. In fact, a significant risk, risk factor, obesity. Now research uh, being presented this week at the American College of Gastroenterology's annual meeting in Philadelphia indicates that for women... Obesity is as important a risk factor as smoking for colon cancer. That obesity alone accounted for one in five of all significant polyps detected during colonoscopy. Now, we know, thanks to research published in the British Medical Journal, that only 5 or 7% of those colon polyps become cancerous, but we as, uh, as, as yet don't know which ones become cancerous and which do not. So know that obesity appears to be a risk factor for colon polyps, which appears to be a risk factor for colon cancer. If it runs in your family, you may want to take note of that. If you have a genetic predisposition for colon cancer, this is one of the ways that you can better take care of your genes to help uh, uh, certainly the outcome, a much more successful outcome. Well, it's been touted for centuries, antibacterial, antifungal, and of great benefit to the cardiovascular system. Now, research scientists at the University of Birmingham in Alabama are taking a look at why the pungent clove of garlic is so valuable to promote the body's own production of compounds that relax blood vessels. That's good uh, to help diminish your risk of high blood uh, uh, pressure, increasing blood flow, preventing blood clots, and actually preventing oxidative damage. In fact, we um, uh, later on this week are going to have a noted cardiologist uh, on the air with us from UCLA Harborview Medical Center, Dr. Matthew Budoff, who did a presentation at the recent Munich Symposium on on, uh, cardiology, taking a look at the fact that aged garlic extract that has 580 published studies on it uh, is actually an effective way to regress plaque. So a number of physiologists at University of Birmingham now interested in just exactly why it is some of the active compounds in garlic can be so medicinally beneficial. And of course, then you wonder, do the different forms of garlic have different compounds that have potentially different effects? We'll delve into a little more detail when Dr. Matthew Budoff joins us today. Post-surgery pain. Ooh, it can be debilitating for many, can lengthen your stay in the hospital. Of course, that puts you at a higher risk of an unpleasant outcome. Now at the American Society of Anesthesiologists annual meeting that's being held in San Francisco, you know these guys go to the tough places for their medical meeting, Duke University took a look at men who were undergoing prostate removal 
they were able to use a nicotine patch to control their pain. They had a nicotine-free patch as well, so this was a double-blind placebo-controlled study, or they had the opportunity to control their pain by adjusting a morphine drip. What they found is that men who used the nicotine patch chose to self-administer much less morphine to control pain than the men who got the nicotine-free patch. And interesting enough, they also took a look at the capsaicin patches uh, because capsaicin has long been used in cream form to alleviate the pain of shingles, um, itching, and burning as well. And what they found is that post-operative pain was also alleviated in the form of actually placing a thousand micrograms of purified capsaicin directly into the wounds of men following surgery. And patients in the capsaicin group had significantly lower pain scores in the uh, three days following surgery. Now, capsaicin is what makes uh, peppers hot, so I dare say... I don't know if I would suggest anybody try this at home, but we have long known that naturally occurring compounds like nicotine and capsaicin have medicinal benefits. And apparently these now uh, two new studies indicate that they are of great benefit for post-surgical pain. Well, speaking of surgery, does where you go for surgery, the choice of hospital, make a difference? Apparently it does. The Agency for Healthcare Research and Quality, which is a federal agency, has taken a look at patients in top-ranked hospitals versus patients in lower-ranked hospitals and found a decided difference that patients in the top-ranked hospitals are 71% more likely to have a positive outcome, to, uh, to survive, versus the mortality rate. So we're talking about death rates in the lowest-ranked hospitals. Patients in the top-ranked hospitals, 71% less likely to die in the lowest-ranked hospitals. What are some of the the situations uh, that that can contribute to that? We certainly know that hospital-acquired infections, medication errors, um, uh, blood clots because of remaining inactive, All of those can make hospitals very (laughs) potentially dangerous situation. We're going to return to debut our women's health segment, focusing on optimal aging of women. With Dr. Mitchell Ginn joining us today, we invite you to join us on Healthy Talk Radio. Time for Healthy Talk Radio. By the powers vested in me, by the Federal Communications Commission. Coming to you live from the headquarters of the Global Health Network and across the world wide web. (gasps) Computers can do that? It's America's longest running radio program dedicated to your health and wellness. What's taking place here is an alternative approach. Now, the woman who's changing the face of health care each and every day. That's the fact, Jack! Here's Deborah Ray. 
Good day. Welcome to Healthy Talk Radio. I'm Deborah Ray. Well, IBM launching a major bid today to find drug treatments for disease. Apparently, they're going to use a global computer grid whose aim to benefit humanity. Well, it's a major new study linking certain food additives in our children's food to their behavior and learning ability. But it mirrors the work that has been going on for several decades at the Feingold Association. It's Executive Director Jane Percy joining us today. We invite you to join us for a frank discussion of what's in our children's food that affects their learning ability and behavior. We'll learn more from Jane Hersey joining us today from the Feingold Association right here on Healthy Talk Radio. Now the news and views about the news you won't hear anywhere else. The Healthy Talk Radio News Digest. Well, the statistics are sobering. Uh, Nearly 10% of all Americans type 2 diabetic, 1 in 8 New Yorkers, uh, 9% of Californians, and anywhere from 40 to 60% pre-diabetic. What role does exercise play? We now know, thanks to groundbreaking research from researchers like Ohio State University, exercise is good medicine. Well, now Canadian researchers add to that body of evidence, taking a look at groups of type 2 diabetics, some of whom did aerobic training, some of whom did resistance training, some of whom did no exercise at all, and some of whom did a bit of both. What did they find? That doing both aerobic and resistance training lowers blood sugar, helps to control blood sugar better than either weight training or aerobic exercise alone. We can give it lip service. We have a number of excuses why we don't exercise, but the research is clear. Activity is part of optimal health. And, uh, you know, don't talk about your diet and supplementations and your sleep and how you're minding the stresses in, the, in your life, of med- your meditation, if you're not exercising on a regular basis. But the good news is, of course, that any activity counts, whether it's your daily household chores, your gardening chores, what you do as part of your, your work um, sports, all of this helps, and any type of exercise helps to control blood sugar. Well, it's another report card. Gee, the U.S. Centers for Disease Control and Prevention like to issue those. They're issuing a, port, a report card on hand washing. And with the recent revelation that we still have all too many infections in this country um, that um, certainly affect people with uh, bed sores, people with failure to heal wounds that might end in amputations, hospital-acquired infections that might even be fatal. Uh, This most recent study, a telephone survey of people and hand-washing, Now, I tell you in advance, my tongue is in my cheek, because how many people, when asked on the telephone about hand washing, are going to say anything other than what they think you want them to hear? Well, the results were that 77% of men and women wash their hands in public restrooms, 
full decrease, a 6% decrease compared to a similar study in the, in the year 2005. But what they found is that was clearly a gender difference, that men are the biggest offenders. Only 66% of men seen washing their hands in public restrooms versus women who fare a little bit better. And um, the take-home message to all of us, all it takes is regular soap and water and some some effort here. You have to sing a whole verse of happy birthday while you're washing those hands to uh, to do the job adequately. And don't worry about antibacterial soap because the Food and Drug Administration has concluded doesn't help, maybe hurts, and soap you know that that's all you really need soapy uh, warm water well it's an analysis of who spends what when it comes to health care it's published in the current journal health affairs it's a centers for medicare and medicaid services and finds a decided regional difference when it comes to health care spending in this country now we have regional differences in terms of who gets bypass surgery who has a hysterectomy. And accordingly, what we found is in the Northeast, they spend a lot more money per person for health care than other regions of the U.S. The highest per capita spending was the District of Columbia, $8,295 per person per year, versus Utah, where the average uh, per capita spending for health care Per person, health care spending per year was $3,972. And interestingly, because it certainly relates to the information in Dr. John Goffman's book about radiation, where they find the most heart disease and the most cancer is where they have the most use of medical radiation. And the Northeast tops the rest of the nation. Health care spending the highest in the Northeast and, of course, it's related to more procedures, more prescriptions, which equals more cancer and more heart disease. Dr. John Goffman, a professor at University of California, San Diego, um, just a brilliant physician, writing a 600-page book on the uh, detrimental effects of medical radiation. Yes, that CT scan, that chest X-ray, those dental X-rays have radiation. Your body stores them. It's cumulative over time and linked to more heart disease and more cancer. Well, it's a finding presented just over the weekend at the European Respiratory Function Annual Congress being held in Stockholm. What um, the research presenter concluded was just eye-opening. Uh, he was from the National Institute of Environmental Health Sciences and Research Triangle um, uh, North Carolina, Dr. Hoppen, who concluded that pesticide exposure is a potential risk factor for asthma and respiratory symptoms. And we have more asthma and more allergy than ever before. What was interesting corollary to the study was a press release just yesterday that Martinique and Guadeloupe are facing a serious environmental and population health crisis because apparently they have used massive amounts of pesticides, banned pesticides, on the banana plantations in Guadeloupe and uh, Martinique. 
and they are now finding a very serious situation where their water is polluted, their land is polluted, and when they take a look at toxic body burden, they're finding women uh, more miscarriages, fewer live births, uh, more serious birth defects, pesticides. One of the many reasons why many more people going organic these days. Well, perhaps it is a mindset shift. The uh, spokesperson for the American Dietetic Association indicating we are now seeing a changing market force in terms of, do you want fries with that? That after decades long of being the fast food nation, the notion of watching what you eat appears to be hitting many more Americans. That rather than say, do you want fries with that? Do you want to supersize that? We are seeing now many more dollars spent on low-fat, flame-broiled chicken breast, unsweetened applesauce, low-fat milk, uh, salads, please hold the, uh, the, the dressing, the apple fries, that the fast food restaurants are getting the message that the marketplace is changing and the nutrition conscious are taking a bite out of the fast food Dollars. Well, it's not just about blowing bubbles. Chewing gum. A recent analysis published in the health section of today's Detroit Free Press indicates that chewing gum helps to suppress your hunger. Chewing gum increases blood flow to the brain and boosts your memory. 50% of people surveyed said chewing gum helps to reduce stress. Burns calories. Chewing gum, 11 calories an hour. And because our cheeks are so absorbent, chewing gum is a great way to deliver nutrients. And there are some companies out there that are actually adding vitamin C and calcium to chewing gum. We also know that your bowel returns to normal much more rapidly after surgery if you chew gum. We're going to return to talk with the Executive Director of the Fine Gold Association, Jane Hersey, joining us today, talking about the latest studies linking food and hyperactivity. You're listening to Healthy Talk Radio, worldwide, whenever and wherever you need us, at HealthyTalkRadio.com. Now, more with America's favorite healthcare consumer, Deborah Ray. To talk about an important topic, given the fact that 15B, yes, billion with a B, Dollars are spent each and every year to influence our children to unhealthy eating choices. Well, they were the head of the curve on taking a look at all those foods in terms of additives and colors and artificial sweeteners and the role they might play in our children's behavior and learning ability. Joining us today is the Executive Director of the Feingold uh, Association, a former teacher and Head Start uh, consultant. She uh, is the editor of their newsletter, author of several books, including Why Can't My Child Behave? She's Jane Hersey, who joins us today. Jane, hello and welcome. Hello, Deborah. I'm delighted to be with you. Oh, nice to have you join us. <laughs> and for people who missed it, and I dare say they did a good job of publishing British research that was recently published in the British medical journal Lancet. Give us an overview, please, Jane. Yes, this was a very exciting study. They had a large group of children. They had nearly 300 children 
Um, and these were children who were uh, what I call regular kids. These were not children who had any history of behavior problems. They were just children taken from the community, um, and they were uh, involved in this study. Now, there were two groups. One group of children were three-year-olds, and the other were older children, ages eight to nine. And the researchers gave them um, fruit drinks, but some of which had artificial colors, actually a blend of artificial colors, plus the preservative sodium benzoate. And at times the children were given fruit juice without this. At times it had it. And they were able to disguise the drinks so that the children didn't know which was which, the parents didn't know, and even the researchers didn't know. And as you know, Deborah, this is a double-blind placebo-controlled study. So what they found out after they uh, tabulated all the information was that the children's behavior um, tended to be quite different when they were consuming the additives and not only their behavior, but their ability to focus and pay attention and, and in their uh, learning. Uh, they had tested the older children on that. So what the researchers concluded was that these food additives, particularly the food dye and this preservative, have the potential to trigger hyperactive behavior and learning difficulties in any child, not just in a selected group of children. Now, this is something we've observed and known for 30 exactly, years, but exactly. it's wonderful to see it done in such a well-designed study um, published in such a, a prestigious journal. So knowing that parents have known, you knew oh boy. <laughs> uh, for, for, for so many years, but often, um, as we recently uh, found um, with Dr. Beatrice Gollum, uh, uh, taking a look at patients, uh, talking with physicians about uh, drug side effects, mm-hmm. it was given short shrift for so many years. Oh, it yeah. was just, oh, you know, uh, a mother. <laughs> oh, yes, neurotic mothers. Well, you know, before our kids went on the Feingold program, we were a bit neurotic, <laughs> but once, yes, we, we've heard every kind of, of uh, thing thrown at us and, and thrown at people who believe this, but you know what always amazes me, Deborah, is how people can say, how so-called experts can say, well, we don't know what's causing it, but we know it isn't this. Well, <laughs> uh, we've been knowing it is this, that, that food additives are not the only trigger for ADD, ADHD, but boy, they are a big one. And we've known this, uh, well, Dr. Feingold knew it in the mid-60s, and the parent support group was formed in the mid-70s. So not only have we got decades worth of practical experience in dramatically helping children, but there are lots of studies. Some of the media reported this as the first study. There have been studies going on since the 70s, some good, some bad. Um, The more recent studies in the past 20 or so years have been very good. So this information has been out there literally for decades. But um, food additives mean uh, manufacturers can create very low-cost food, Mm -hmm. sell it for high prices, and uh, reap enormous profits. 
and and be, you know with these combinations of colors in particular as well as the the other additives particularly the artificial sweeteners make it all the more appealing to children Jane and I welcome your insight because right. uh, uh, just in the last month new scientists a British medical journal published a very interesting uh, article all about toxic chemicals that the average person in this country is subjected each and every day to 75,000 different chemicals. And as you well know, you're you know part of this effort to look at you know, what we're promoting and feeding our children. And it's not just one color, not just one. Oh, additive. definitely not just one color. Although I will say, Deborah, it's a little easier uh, now because so many of the dyes are so damaging that all but seven have been banned for use in food. Of course, that doesn't mean that we're done with them because just because a dye in this country is not allowed in food, uh, it may be allowed in medicine and cosmetics. And medicine for children especially is likely to be bright, garish colors with synthetic dyes and synthetic flavorings as well. But the good news is for all of these things that are out there that contain no-nos, There are alternatives that are perfectly okay. Uh, This is part of what the Feingold Association does, is show people, you want to give your child a lollipop? Hey, I am now looking at a bag of gorgeous lollipops that are pretty colors, natural colors, and natural flavors. And with some of these candies, if I didn't know uh, which was natural and which was, was synthetic, I'd have a hard time uh, figuring out. The natural colorings can be beautiful. And they're out there. Anything you want, I cannot think of a thing uh, that that we cannot find in a natural. Ver- oh yes, there's one candy corn, Halloween candy corn, and we're working on that. <laughs> but but um, uh, the purport of, of the article, which was intriguing, is that you know many of these common chemicals, for example, the phthalates, and as you well know, you know the soft plastic uh, right. packaging for so many children's uh, uh, foods, uh, as well as you know medicinal <laughs> items yes. in hospitals. Yes. And, you know, individually, for example, two of the phthalates in a a recent government-funded study by themselves were not detrimental. They combined the two small amounts of phthalates together. All of a sudden, there was um, the lack of of any testosterone production. I mean, do we really know these combinations of even the seven allowed colorings and additives and artificial sweeteners together, Jane? Absolutely. And if you look at the average diet of, of what a child who's eating these these awful things, they eat multiple dyes and artificial flavors and high fructose corn syrup and throw in some MSG and put it in a plastic container. Yes, um, we know, in fact, there was a study not long ago showing that combinations of two additives was between four and seven times more damaging to nerve cells than a single additive alone, and you very well know that these food additives are tested one at a time. They're not typically tested in combinations. So the new study from The Lancet showed what happened with a combination of dyes. The other study to which I just referred from the University of Liverpool showed that two additives together were far more damaging. And a child's uh, cereal uh, bowl is going to contain many, many, many different additives altogether. Um, another thing that, that I want to point out is uh, we are subjected, as you just said, to so many 
uh, toxins in our environment, whether it be in the containers, in the food, in the pesticide. We need and our children need to be strong. They need to be nourished with real food so that their bodies can be strong enough to deal with these toxins because we're designed to deal with a certain amount of toxins. But when you take away the real food that a child needs and give him fake food, his body's not going to be strong enough. Jane, hold that thought. We'll pick that right back up when we return. The Executive Director of the Fine Goat Association, Jane Hurst. The information on Healthy Talk Radio may be eye-opening, controversial, and disturbing to some, but it is all well-documented and presented by credentialed guests as well as our knowledgeable host. It may not represent the views of this network, this radio station, or its sponsors, but it might just be good for your health. I'm Deborah Ray. You're listening to Healthy Talk Radio, where Jane Hersey joins us today, H-E-R-S-E-Y. For those of you who asked me to take a moment to spell, spell, she has authored books that include Why Can't My Child Behave? She joins us today with her hat on as a director of the nonprofit Fine Gold Association. If you're not familiar with their work, www.addiet, addiet.com, uh, who joins us today. And if you're not webified, one 800 321 3287. That's 1-800-321-3287. We're talking about the recently published uh, British research um, in a uh, prestigious medical uh, journal, The Lancet, linking artificial uh, food additives with worsening hyperactivity in our children. But you raised a key point before uh, we went to the break, uh, Jane, and that is... What does it mean for our children to eat all these foods that are are laden with colorings and additives and artificial sweeteners and have a a basic scenario where they're not optimally nourished, where all those mother's adages that you and I heard, you know, the fishes, (laughs) brain food, and the carrots for for, Mm -hmm. for healthy eyes, that they're not getting basic uh, good nutrition, Jane. That's true, and part of the problem is that This insidious trend toward what I call foodless foods has been going on for a while, so in many cases with the young child, their mother also grew up on TV dinners, on quick convenience mixes, and some of the moms today really don't know where to begin. They don't have an idea where to begin, and so... We we sometimes are scolded because we allow things like candy and soda and ice cream, but what our approach is is we say to people, look, if this is what you're currently using, if you're currently using mixes and, and lots of desserts and things like that, we show them how to make the gentle transition from the mac and cheese mix with the two yellow dyes to the mac and cheese mix without dye. They can give their child the chocolate candy bar without the artificial flavor, the lollipops without the artificial color and flavor. And what happens is when they see that just something as simple as taking away synthetic dyes, artificial flavor, etc., can, and let's of course not forget taking away synthetic sweeteners like aspartame. When parents find out and see, and when the children themselves see that a small change like this can uh, result in a dramatic improvement either in behavior or uh, no more asthma attacks or fewer uh, incidences of hives or migraine headaches. When people see 
that simple changes can mean that they feel better and they behave better, then they really start to get interested. And even a family uh, who people, some of the moms call themselves carry-out queens, um, even families like this, start to really get interested and if you go back to their home um, a few months later you'll find they're eating more salads they're eating fresher foods they're eating more wholesome things whole grains and all so our goal is to first of all help people find out what is causing the problems if any of these additives are and kind of a side goal is to, to nudge them toward gradually healthier and healthier food choices. So it's very exciting because they get there and the children um, eat healthier and they, they grow up learning about real good food. But they do it and everybody does it in such a way that's very palatable, very easy to take. So knowing, uh, Jane, that we have um, more children who are overweight or yes. obese, um, you know, link the dots to us that, that the children eating a lot of calories, but it sounds like not a lot of nutrients. Absolutely. And when they are eating these, these fake foods, they don't feel nourished. They don't feel satisfied. Uh, it's amazing. I, I just finished reading Twinkie Deconstructed, the book that tells people about all of the bizarre things going into our food. Well, this fluffy, puffy, foodless thing uh, really doesn't make you feel satisfied, whereas if you ate a, uh, something that had actual food in it, you wouldn't feel the need to eat more and more and more. And then, of course, there's always the link between monosodium glutamate and uh, obesity. It's well known to researchers that the two are linked. Now, take a hard look at many of the school cafeteria foods and you'll find that MSG clones are all over the place. In fact, um, what I encourage parents to do, if you're out and uh, you want a hamburger, don't go to your child's cafeteria and eat lunch there. Uh, go to a fast food restaurant. Their hamburgers are made of meat. They're made of actual meat. Now, of course, there are other choices that might be a whole lot better than a fast food restaurant. But school cafeteria hamburgers have meat, and they have an unbelievable amount of other things, in, including MSG and loads and loads of sugars. Now, we could also talk about high fructose corn syrup. Is that a big contributor to the, the obesity? There are so many things, and these are the staples of junky food. And uh, they, we see the results, not just in the obesity, but in the epidemic of ear infections, asthma, childhood diabetes. Uh, you know all of this very well. I, I know, Deborah. It's, uh, it's pretty scary stuff. So you take a look at that recent research, Jane, comparing um, high fructose corn syrup to, to simple sugar sweetening mm -hmm. and see a decided difference. Um, the high fructose corn syrup has a detrimental uh, effect on insulin sensitivity. Yeah. yeah. And, well, and when I found out that, uh, that the high fructose corn syrup was going straight to my hips, believe me, I was a lot more careful about <laughs> avoiding it. Before that, I was pretty casual about it, but let me tell you, I don't need anything more on my hips. So, yeah, we, I just stay away from that as much as possible. It's not something we automatically eliminate on the Feingold program, but boy, the more we learn about it, uh, the less we want to eat it. 
because you've already addressed it, but it it, it always amazed me, you know, why there was not more of a sense of general outrage to learn that the fastest growing group of type 2 diabetics in this country is teenagers. It's because we now have generations raised on fast food. Absolutely. Well, I think people don't really know what's going on as far as, well, where is it coming from? You know, there are so many uh, things that they will see in the media as far as, you know, what's causing this problem. And Well, a, a good example is childhood asthma. And uh, so often I've read, oh, well, it's stress. Well, <laughs> if, if it were stress, the, it wouldn't be the children getting the asthma. It would be their overworked mothers getting it. Or maybe um, it's being caused by cats and dogs. Now, that's crazy. Cats and dogs have been around for a long time. Uh, other uh, writers have said, well, the epidemic of childhood asthma is caused by pollen. Well, correct me if I'm wrong, but pollen isn't exactly new, right? <laughs> so people don't even know where to look. They don't know where to begin. Um, when a family wants to help their child, whether they're dealing with uh, minor problems, big problems, something as heavy-duty as autism, I know you've, you've talked with a guest about that, What we say is, look, let's just take a step back and let's see what is the simplest thing you can do is the first step. Try something simple and then work from there down to the more complex thing. And what could be simpler than buying a a frozen waffle that doesn't have yellow number five or yellow number six? And by the way, whenever you see a package label that lists a color, followed by a number, you know that that's a petroleum derivative. That's really stuff you want to stay away from. Yellow 5, red 40, blue 1. It's so easy to switch from a product with a dye to a product without a dye. And as you get a little more savvy about this, you can go into nearly any supermarket Mm -hmm. or any store and find lots of things that are, are free of these chemicals. So I'm um, you know, quite certain you know, the Fine Gold Association offers a variety of, of educational materials to, you know, to teach schools and parents and grandparents and aunts and uncles uh, where to start. But because this British study particularly focuses on, focused on drink mixes, mm-hmm. having been through this with your own child, where do you start with all too many kiddos saying, I don't drink water? <laughs> <laughs> well, you don't have to drink water. Here again, we look at where is the family now. And what is going to be the simple first step for them? Uh, a simple first step might be switching. Well, for example, if you want to get rid of sodium benzoate, which is one of the additives in the uh, British study, mm-hmm. well, if you're drinking Sprite, switch to 7-Up. That's an easy way to get rid of sodium benzoate. Mm-hmm. Then if you want to improve things further, try some homemade lemonade. Or my favorite thing, take either plain water or sparkling water and add a little bit of fruit juice. And if you want to add sugar to sweeten it, not synthetic sugar, but fine gold doesn't eliminate sugar, that's okay. My favorite uh, beverage is a small amount of grape juice and a lot of water and ice, maybe sparkling water, and it is refreshing and delicious. So we like to find practical answers. Uh, We want to find answers that will not only provide products that are good for the child, much better than what they're now eating, but that the parents are comfortable with and that the kids will like. Because it's so important that a child like this, that he enjoy the food. And this is one of the unique things about the Feingold program. Our kids eat good food and they love it. 
lollipops I referred to earlier. We don't overdo the candy with our kids. We recommend people be a little bit, uh, you know, conscientious about not giving them a whole lot. But a child on the Feingold problem, the program, the child on the Feingold program can have a lollipop if he wants it, but it would be a natural lollipop. It's as simple as that. Address uh, for you would, uh, if you would please, uh, Jane, because I see you know, the, the marketing message out there, and certainly uh, kiddos pick up on this, whether they're <laughs> preteen or teenagers, the energy drinks out there. Oh, yeah. I mean, and you notice the children in the commercials are hyperactive. Oh. Well, you know, Deborah, the kids that we deal with are pretty smart. And once they make the connection between what they're eating and the consequences, uh, you know, if the child, uh, the parent may say, well, you know, if you want the artificial whatever, that's up to you. You decide. And the child knows, okay, if I eat that one, if I eat the, the lollipop I got at the bank, uh, I'm going to get in trouble at home. I'm going to do badly at school. My friends are going to be mad at me. I may have a stomachache, a headache, or break out in hives. You know, and why should he eat the Junko lollipop when he can just as easily eat the one that mom gets. So the children quickly become savvy about this. And my children, like most of the kids on our program, when they hear the ads, when they see the commercials, they just think it's dumb because they know what's going on behind it and they laugh at it. So what our biggest problem as far as people cheating on the diet is not the children, it's their parents. And the children very often will scold their parents, you know, if they go eat something off the diet. Now, having said that, this is not an all-or-nothing deal. Um, A lot of people uh, can eat things that contain these additives occasionally and, and do just fine. It's just that most of us, including our kids, would rather not. Now, if you have a child and you want to kind of get them involved in understanding this, um, talk to us about a science fair project your child can do uh, showing what the damage is done from these artificial food colors. That is a sure way to convince a child that he's on the right track to avoid them. You know, I'm reminded of the, the work. It was so visual, so vivid. Uh, uh, you know, Dr. Doris Rapp, Dr. Yeah. Theron Randolph, who would yeah. take a look at children's handwriting mm-hmm. before and after consuming these these, these you know fake foods, Absolutely. these empty foods, and what I mean, you could clearly see within you know 30 seconds to a minute, yeah. the child's handwriting would change fundamentally, Jane. Yes, absolutely. Handwriting is one of the ways that some children react. Uh, there are many different ways. Um, as far as, as the science fair project, some of the children use mice. Some are fed pure food. Some are fed food with additives. Even a small amount of food dye in the animal's water can cause them to totally forget how to run a maze, can cause animals to become very aggressive. It, it's pretty dramatic, the effects of these things. And as you say, handwriting effects can be a real eye-opener. Uh, we, we also collect those things. Of course, that that makes an impact on children. I remember, yeah. you know, teaching children's cooking classes. And just like, you know, teaching children to, to read those labels, mm-hmm. that's mm-hmm. a lasting impact, Jane. Right. Well, you know, when my younger daughter was just three years old and I was trying to explain this, uh, whole thing to her, I was trying to put it in terms a three-year-old would understand, and she wanted to know why her cheese was white and the neighbor's little child's cheese was, was bright orange. Right. And I said, well, 
they put stuff in the cheese, and it's kind of like paint, which really is not far from the, the, uh, the truth at all. It is very <laughs> much like paint. And the look on her face, she, she did not want to eat cheese with paint in it. So we just, you know, in, in Fungal, we really don't usually have a problem with the children wanting to eat that garish stuff. They, they're smart. They know what it is. Uh, they know also, before they're very old, why manufacturers are using it. And they also learn that labels aren't always truthful, and sometimes grown-ups don't tell the truth. Jane, hold that thought. We'll pick it up when we return. Jane Hersey from the Fine Gold Association. Cutting-edge information on alternative medicines, nutrition, and your health. Healthy Talk Radio with Deborah Ray. Jane Hersey, the director of the nonprofit Fine Gold Association, joins us today to talk about the major new study, British research published in the British medical journal Lancet, linking artificial food additives, colors in particular, with worsening children children's behavior. We invite you to join us at 800-307-3002. For people listening to us, Jane, you know what what materials? How do they contact the Fine Gold Association? What materials? Materials are available. Yes, uh, they can contact us via addiet.com on the web, addiet.com, and they will find that we have a package of information they can order, uh, and it includes step-by-step guidance is into what to do first, how to do it, and it also includes our food list book, and this is a book running, these new ones are running about 180 pages. The books list thousands of brand name products, each of which we have researched with a manufacturer, and all of these are products that they can buy and be assured that they are free of the worst of the additives. Then we publish these books at least once a year and update them ten times a year through our newsletter, Pure Facts. So that's a little of the information they get. Lots of material, practical stuff, support, people they can call, uh, email addresses where they can ask for more help. There's lots of information out there, and that's what we do. We're a support group. And we show them how to find out if maybe the so-called ADHD or the new uh, term bipolar disorder may be just simply that their child is reacting to certain food additives. Um, it may be, it may not be, but this is a test to find out. And uh, you know, sufficient to uh, take some of these materials into schools as well? Yes, absolutely. In fact, our September newsletter is all about really simple things a school can do to turn their food around and it's a story of one of our fine gold moms who is serving wonderful healthy food in her school and it's i tell you deborah if you if you saw the uh, menu of what she's serving you would think it was an upscale restaurant she's not only serving great food natural food but saving the school system a whole lot of money doing it it can be done. It's uh, Natural food does not have to cost more, and it often costs a whole lot less than the junky stuff. Well, great information, and it's always a privilege and pleasure to have you uh, update us. Uh, thank you. have you. found your mission, and we are the better for it. Jane, thank you so much. It's a pleasure. Thanks, Deborah. Jane Hersey joining us today, the director of the Fine Gold Association. She mentioned the website simply www.addiet.com. 
Webify.com. And if you're not Webified, 1-800-321-3287. Artificial food colorings, sweetenings, flavorings, preservatives do affect our children's behavior, our children's learning ability. Our thanks to Jane. Our thanks to have each and every one of you join us today. If you missed anything, the show archived for two weeks at our website, HealthyTalkRadio.com. I'm Deborah Ray reminding you, live long, stay healthy. The information on Healthy Talk Radio may be eye-opening, controversial, and disturbing to some closed-minded members of the medical community, but it is all well-documented and presented by credentialed guests as well as our knowledgeable host. It may not represent the views of this network, this radio station, or its sponsors, but hey, that's life. It's our focus each and every week uh, during this time on women's health, our debut with very special guests, the medical director of Eden Laboratories, EdenLaboratories.net, Dr. Mitchell Ginn, um, who has written a textbook in anti-aging medicine, joining us today to talk about optimal aging for women. None of us want to stand in front of the refrigerator saying, now, why was I here? And we were talking about some of the environmental nutritional factors that can either set the stage for optimal aging of the brain or create some dangerous free radicals and um, those free radicals as well as inflammation can take their toll on our brain. We promise to come back with pen and paper in hand. Dr. Ginn, you've got the mic. All right. I love when I have a mic, as you know, and thank you for giving it to me. Well, let's go back to our model. If you just joined us, basically, we went through a fairly complex model of why the brain starts to deteriorate. But basically, it ends up because of one real deadly, and we call this deadly because it is free radical called the perioxynitrate free radical, and it's a pretty serious one. So if there's anything we can do to reduce this particular free radical, then we're going to save our brains. I mean, it's just that simple. If we know that that's causing problems, then we should start there as far as our discussion on how to prevent and also even reverse some of the brain irritations and damages that we're seeing in our society today. Well, first, let's start with a couple easy things. In this morning's news that uh, you and I looked at in Yahoo News, uh, which was talking about uh, women's health and brain aging and was even mentioning about estrogen, trying to lower estrogen, because it is, of course, inflammatory, may be helpful. Well, we should then look at the fact that there is certain things that mimic estrogen, act like an anti-estrogen. They are natural products, and they certainly reduce nitric oxide, too, which leads to this deadly perioxynitrate-free radical. And that product's called genistein. And genistein is a soy derivative in itself, Mm -hmm. um, but a very good, natural, easy-to-take, easy-on-the-stomach type of product that can reduce the production of this free radical. Uh, along with something that I really love, and, and, and it's a great product, and that's garlic. Uh, people forget that the natural things that God's provided us are often some of the very best mediators when it comes to difficulties with anything in our lives and according to our lifestyle and helping, helping us live better. And this particular product in garlic, the, the concentrated product in garlic, is allicin. And allicin... Uh, on top of being, you know, everything that you've heard about it, a great anti-infective, anti-parasitic, you know, it does everything, lowering blood pressure and cholesterol. One other thing it does, one other thing, it actually, according, and this is Israeli research, actually shows that it inhibits um, the production of arginine. 
And arginine is an amino acid. Yes, we need it because it also does things. But arginine is the precursor to nitric oxide. When you have too much of it, you have too much nitric oxide. Too much nitric oxide, do we get the picture yet? It's turning into this horrible free radical called the peroxynitrate free radical. So allicin, the garlic product, actually defeats that and reduces it as well. One more thing, looking at our model, and then, uh, Deb, I'll, 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 I'll look for your input on this, and that is the xanthine oxidase, which we talked about before the break, which is something also that the body starts to produce because of too much calcium being leaked into the cells. And that's what produces the other side of the coin, that superoxide free radical. Mm-hmm. That can be inhibited by something that you probably would never have thought of either, and that is silymarin. Um, silymarin is uh, milk thistle, right, Deb? Right. Yeah. In milk thistle, which we know is a great liver detoxicant, believe it or not, it also inhibits xanthine oxidase. So look at how I'm trying to teach you how to do this. Um, and that is, if you block one side of the equation that creates this free radical with something like silymarin, block the other side with genistein and also something like allicin, and there's some great, I mean, great allicin garlic products, you're already on the road to dropping and, and controlling that horrible free radical. And there's a great... Um, a great, great product, which has been shown in the literature many times, that also drops that free radical significantly, and that is a B12 derivative, which is called hydroxycobalamin. Now, hydroxycobalamin is often used by integrative physicians when they use intravenous um, B12. It's a, it's a, it's a, it's a premium. It's a Cadillac, but it does the job and it, it does it wonderfully. So, was that pretty? Was that? Pretty clear, confusing, or, or, or are we are we are we sending the folks in the right direction? No, rich, rich with very important information, particularly given the fact that um, uh, we take uh, women in particular because of that second nervous system in the gut. Uh, often deal with gastrointestinal upset and uh, may be prone to taking those acid-blocking agents. And um, you know, with the revelation that all too many of us are vitamin B12 deficient, that has a measurable effect on our brain's ability to, to think, to have cognitive function, Dr. Gann. Ah, what a good point. I, I, you always come up with such great stuff. It just, it just makes me think another ten times over again. Yes, of course. If you, if you are uh, acid-instable, uh, and by the way, even if you are taking an acid blocker or, or not, there's a, probably 50% of the women's population over a certain age, I, I know, Deb, you'll know the exact one, 50 or 60 years old, that are already acid deficient. And unfortunately, the symptoms of acid deficiency and over-acidity are about the same. So what happens is often or too often physicians will prescribe a blocking agent, and Deb's 100% correct, outside of the minerals like magnesium and calcium, but in addition, B12 and folic acid will be malabsorbed. And again, B12 will not get into the system, and it's very, very, very important for uh, brain. Now, that's a good point. I'm glad you brought that up because uh, I wasn't even thinking about it until you said it. Great. Speaking of, of thinking, uh, what about women's hormonal health and brain health? And uh, we're in yeah. a royal. <laughs> yeah, royal. Well, I, 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 you know, the good news is um, uh, both my mother and, and my wife, I have them under control. If you have your mother, mother-in-law, I think, and wife, brain hormones doing well, you're a lucky man, and that's the way I see myself right now, because all theirs are doing well, but 100% correct, when the hormones are in, in not balanced, the neurotransmitters are not balanced, you know, it works hand in hand, everybody likes to think that you have a heart, you only need a cardiologist, but the heart is connected to the toe, and the podiatrist is just as well needed, so basically we have to recognize that we're a dynamic, complex, ongoing 
chronic movement of chemicals throughout the body and trillions of associative reactions occurring per second. Now, we can accept that for a minute. Then we recognize that the hormones, you know, do play a role in how we feel. Come on, think about it. When you're, when you're nervous and you're uptight, uh, when you're, when you're, when you're thinking about the, someone you love, uh, when you're worried about the, getting a paycheck, you, you, you think differently, you act differently. And hormones play a very integral part in that. What they do is they can change not only the inflammatory component, but they change the way the cells speak to each other. Now, to add to that, so we can always give the treatment component, or, or, or not the treatment so much, but the, what helps that, we just mentioned by lowering estrogen is one of the theories, but there are a couple of things that are very helpful in that department, and such as a, a hormone called pregnenolone. Um, pregnenolone, fabulous. It's the grandmother. comes before dehydroepiandrosterone, a precursor to progesterone. Wonderful hormone if, you're, if your healthcare practitioner will allow you to go on it. Um, helps with uh, brain health. It's been shown. You can look it up in the Internet. It's much, very often. Um, and along with testosterone, believe it or not, uh, they find that those people having rich testosterone levels, I mean, in the normal level, I don't mean exceedingly high, also have much better thought. You're, you're, you're right on the money with this. Hor- no question. Hormones need to be balanced. Low hormones, you don't think as well as you did before, proven very clearly in many studies and very recently, right, Deb? Absolutely. Absolutely. And, and those neurotransmitter factors, so, um, you know, I'm reminded, you know, the most often prescription written in this country uh, are for antidepressant medications that, that do affect uh, levels of brain neurotransmitters. What, what does this mean in terms of overall brain health, uh, Dr. Gann, to, you know, to keep these transmitters in sufficient amounts and in balance? Well, here's the problem. There's no question that neurotransmitters, uh, these are the little tiny chemicals that allow you basically to think how you feel, how you assess things around you and so forth. They do drop off as we age. Now, maybe the aging process has something to do with it, but certainly what we eat has a lot to do with it. And what happens is, is we start to utilize a lot of chemical interference, you know, through the drugs. And it is my belief, and and I'm certain that on the right track, that when you start to make a disbalance of these neurotransmitters, blocking them, trying to increase their uptake, etc., um, you're going to cause difficulty with other neurotransmitters elsewhere, and really not uh, fix the problem. And and so, again, you know, uh, you're, so those are listening say, well, okay, now he's telling us the problem. What's the what's the resolution? What can, what can we do? Well, first of all, there are great amino acid precursors to things that start to drop off. For example, serotonin is one of the most common ones. You probably read about it. Mm-hmm. Um, but the key is, you know, there are things like a 5-hydroxy, uh, um, uh, help me here, the 5-hydroxy. Yeah. Tryptophan, yeah. Tryptophan, yeah. Mm-hmm. See, I need, I need to start taking that, too. <laughs> is, is, a, is a substance that's a precursor to serotonin. And, and there are several that are actually helpful for the body that will raise, raise these levels healthfully and safely. In addition, um, you have to also recognize that the area of the brain that takes a big hit all the time is the hippocampus. Um, the hippocampus is the area of the brain that helps with memory. It's the memory part of the brain, it, 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 and, and it allows us to have memory. And what we found is, and, and this is very important, that if you are uptight, upset, even a short time, I mean an, an argument, and a, a very upset about or worried, like worried sick about something, that the new nerve cells that are being produced in that hippocampus die. And that is an article that was just came out. I, I read it myself in Mind Scientific not more than two months ago. So calm down, um, 
try some of these uh, natural products and learn to meditate. Now, I, I hate to use that word because some people say, wait, well, that meditation, is that uh, you know anti-religious? Of course not. I mean, you can meditate by doing any number of things, including altering your consciousness by going to synagogue, to church, to, to a temple, a Buddhist temple. It doesn't matter. It's, it's time alone, time to concentrate, time to close your eyes and to focus on something. It does make a difference, and it does improve the memory. Um, I do it every day. I, I, do you, I know you're so busy, Deb. Do you ever take time and, and do some meditation or altering conscious type of thing? I make a point of it. I make a point of it. You know, it, it, when it struck me, all of a sudden, that three-legged stool of optimal health is physical, uh, emotional, and spiritual, and two of the three <laughs> mm. were all about you know that that time that peace uh that you know that made such a difference um and you know this unfolding revelation that you know some of the 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 psychological factors are as important as physical factors even for heart health which kills more women than any other single factor yeah i i make a point to do it each and every day yeah that's good uh, I think it's important. And people say, well, how long should I do it? I, I think if you can do the exact opposite of a game uh, that the kids do, you know, that where the mind is and the body's moving all over, and they're phenomenal at these, you know, these joystick games. I, I certainly am not, but the kids are. They're, they're, they're magicians at it. But that doesn't create learning. That doesn't create normalization, equalization of neurotransmitters. What does is, and here's the combination, write it down, it's body off. Mind hyperfocus. Uh, I'm going to repeat it so everyone gets it. It's my body off. In other words, in a relaxed position, totally relaxed, but the body and my, the body's off, but the mind is hyperfocused, meaning that it is directed to thought that you want to direct it to. That's what makes the difference. That's what calms, what changes, improves the hormonal balance, not just in the brain. Uh, but in the entire body. And you say, well, how do I do that? How do I learn that? I've never learned that. Well, there are tapes, there are, there are movies, there are shows, there are things that can show you how to do that. Sometimes it's simple as focusing on one word, uh, one scene, uh, one prayer, uh, one musical number. I mean, there are lots of books on, on how to do this. Certainly a whole show could be just dedicated to how to alter the consciousness. But certainly when you do, it makes a remarkable difference. And that's one of those those uh, factors that can literally physically age us, but emotionally and spiritually as well. And, and speaking of those aging factors, uh, address rest because lack of sleep <laughs> is is a powerful aging factor for the entire body. I, I think particularly our brains start to get. Uh, absolutely. Uh, I mean, the studies have shown clearly for those people that don't get six hours of sleep a night, and there's an optimal number, six to eight, if you're not getting really restful six to eight hours of sleep a night, you are depriving your body, particularly not just your brain, but also your immune system of everything that it really needs and it requires. Um, and to do this, it requ- you have a few uh, requirements, let's say, uh, that are necessary, and, and, and these are the ones that you need to do. You have to get to bed before midnight in the time zone that you live in. I'll tell you why in a minute. You've got to get to bed in a room that's dark, darker than moonlit. Um, that we must do also because there is a hormone that's released that is responsible also for brain thought and health, which is called melatonin. And melatonin works with acidenazole methionine, which we produce in the morning. It's that happy balance that creates the good 
wake and sleep cycle. And if we get those both balanced and get to sleep on time, get dark room, we will have a healthy mind and healthy balance. Now, when we come back, keep your pencils and papers because we've got to talk about anti-inflammatories and stopping the AGE products. Very important. So stay with us until we get back with this. It's our Women's Health Focus each and every week during this time. Our debut, thanks to the medical director of Eden Laboratories, EdenLaboratories.net. Dr. Mitchell, again, we're focusing on optimal aging for women's health right here on Healthy Talk Radio. I'm Deborah Ray. You're listening to Healthy Talk Radio, informing America about health and wellness for more than 20 years. Here's Deborah Ray. Well, we are debuting a regular weekly segment all about women's health. Our focus today on optimal aging, particularly that uh, aging of the brain, with the medical director of Eden Laboratories, the author of a textbook on anti-aging medicine, Dr. Mitchell Genn, joining us today. We return to talk about um, inflammation, anti-inflammatories. Dr. Genn, please continue. Well, um, for those of you that might have joined at this last segment, you need to get the show and listen to it because I know it's going to be archived on, on the website. And we've been talking about how inflammation, as well as many other things, hormones, neurotransmitters, can and will affect the way your brain ages and whether or not you're going to think clearly as you age. It's nice to do that, of course. But anti-inflammatory is very important. There's no question, eventually, all the things that we talked about, creating that free radical, the ugly one, perioxynitrate, I'm saying it several times for those of you who get it, the ID in your head, will eventually create an inflammatory component. It's this ongoing chronic inflammation. Now, you could say, well, well, I don't think I have an inflammation. I'm not, I don't feel it. No, 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 no. You won't necessarily feel the inflammation. It's happening, though, all the time, and it's now without question, probably the most important health etiology that we know of, from everything from colon cancer right on down to Alzheimer's. And we do know that because those folks that eat foods that are high in anti-inflammatory type components, like turmeric is, like the Indian population, we're talking about India, um, they have one quarter of the Alzheimer's rate than anyone else. Well, that should already clue you in that there's something important or something in their diet that's very important. And the thing is, if we can just keep down inflammation by a few simple steps like watching our dietary fats, like the saturated fats, and eating things that reduce inflammation, such as the essential fatty acids, which we've talked about so often, and of course, going back to turmeric, the component of turmeric that is the key component, which is called curcumin, and it's simple as taking a curcumin pill even once or twice a day, what we find is, is that this inflammation slows down or if not even goes to a halt and often if you do that because there is still neurogenesis meaning the nerve cells can regenerate unlike what we used to think years ago we can probably reverse some of this and simultaneously by doing that because ongoing inflammation leads to these uh, proteins called advanced glycation end products and advanced lipooxidation end products we can start to prevent them too with substances like carnosine Carnosine is a combination of two amino acids, histidine and L-alanine, that have been put together, and by taking a large enough dose of them, it makes a difference. I know we got to go, but folks, so much more of this you could do. Please think about all this. Absolutely, and I promise you we'll be back on a regular basis with more, particular focus on women's health, thanks to our good friends at Age Best Basics, and our thanks to Dr. Mitchell Ginn. Dr. Ginn, always a privilege and pleasure. Oh, thanks, Deb. My pleasure. 
If you want to know more about Dr. Ginn's work, EdenLaboratories.net will tell you more. And as uh, he indicated, if you missed anything, you can listen again to the show archived for two weeks, HealthyTalkRadio.com. I'm Deborah Ray reminding you, live long, stay healthy.